Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. Our talk show is also part of our Caregiving Podcast Network. And I just want to mention, if you missed our escapes from July, they are posted on caregiving.com. So every day, our podcasters and our network posted very simple two-minute podcasts that provided you an escape. It could have been an escape from an emotion like worry and guilt. It could have been an escape to a better place. It could have been an idea about how you can take an escape. So if you go to caregiving.com, you can listen to those podcasts. And the idea of the escapes during summer is so timely. However, we know you need an escape anytime. So those podcasts are always available for you. Just a quick reminder, we turned, oh my gosh, 22 today. So 22 years ago, I secured the domain name caregiving.com. It seems like just yesterday, I was sitting in the corner of my bedroom in my parents' house. That's where I lived. And I closed, you know, I just crossed my fingers and thought, well, let's just see if I can't get caregiving.com. And sure enough, I did and kept going after that. So we are celebrating the 22nd birthday of caregiving.com beginning Sunday, August 5th on caregiving.com. We've got prizes that we'll give away every day, and we also have a grand prize. And the grand prize is a seat in an upcoming Certified Caregiving Consultant Training Program. And it's a date of your choice. Whenever we have a date scheduled, when it works for you, you can join us, and it's free. So if you've thought about the training program, this is an opportunity for you to have a chance to join us at no charge. So again, we begin celebrating our 22nd birthday on caregiving.com on Sunday, August 5th. Okay, so joining me this morning is Warren Bear. He usually joins me on the last Friday, but we switched around because he was giving a presentation to a large group, 400 people last year, I mean last week at this time. So let me just tell you a little bit about Warren. He's an alumni of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation's Executive Nurse Fellows Program. He's also Chief Innovation Officer for a home health analytics company. He's also a family caregiver, home health nurse, nursing professor, and Executive Director of the Home Care Association of Louisiana. Good morning, Good morning, Warren. Thanks for being with us today. Happy anniversary. What a gift. <laughs> How about that? Um, you know, the, yeah, Denise uh, and I were talking uh, just a, a brief minute before we brought the rest of you on the program that uh, Denise was an early uh, evangelist. She recognized very early on how important family caregiving would be. And, wow, what a great gift, Denise. I, I hope that you uh, put together some sort of timeline or something to capture your story. Um, we talked earlier about the fact that there were probably uh, some lean times and some self-doubt uh, as as there is with any uh, person who's who's really changing the paradigm. Thank you for what you've done. Yeah, I should put together a timeline. It, it, actually, what I had said to Warren when he said there probably were re- re- lean times, I said there actually were 22 <laughs> lean years. So <laughs> uh-huh. I uh, should put toge- together a timeline of all the things that happened. And I will tell you that I did try to go out of business probably three, four, maybe five times because I just thought, well, I'm not making any money doing this. It's really causing this huge financial burden for me. 
I should just stop. And I would say, okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm moving on. And then something would happen that would keep me in business. Mm. What's interesting is my parents were a big part of my business because I lived with them. That's how I stayed in business. I worked other jobs. That's how I stayed in business. And so they saw the struggle up close, and they were always very concerned for me and just really thought it would be best for me to stop. And in 2013, I borrowed some money from them. And at the time, they said, we'll help you. However, we just don't think that this is sustainable, and it's probably a good idea that you just stop. We just don't see in the future that this is going to become anything bigger or better than this, and we see that it's not really good for you. And I'm having lunch with them today, so I'll have to talk to them about, oh, my gosh, thank goodness I stayed in business. Look what's happened. Sometimes I have a, a tendency not to communicate the good so much as show the struggle. So it's a reminder in our show about crucial caregiving conversations to talk about the good as well as the struggle. So today we're going to talk about lessons. Oh, go ahead, Warren. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, the message I think, and and what you've modeled times, there's a calling um, to the work that we've got. And I think that, that you'd probably identify with, your family caregiving role as as a calling, um, and and while it was a business, and you and I both heard the adage, no money, no mission. Uh, the reality is, when something's a calling, it's hard to deny that. And uh, it'll be a more philosophical conversation for another day. But thank you for uh, being attentive to the voice and the experiences that continue to keep you involved in this. It's it's so very important and makes a difference in lots of people's lives. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you for that, Warren. <laughs> it's fun to talk about this today. I didn't realize it until I said the date. So, uh, that's but it fun. reaches okay. it reaches deep. It reaches deep down though uh, into your yes. core. Uh, one one of the yes. things that I do for for people's birthdays is to share a website that has all of the other famous birthdays, but it also has significant events oh. in history. So for today, I'm going to add another significant event in history, and that is www.caregiving.com. So yeah, uh, I'll send that? you the link to that for your celebration uh, today, yeah. for your your, your reflection. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, 22 years ago, life was very different, very different. How we communicated, how we spent our time, was very different. So, and so that word me... reflection, that word reflection comes up often in. Uh, the Jesuit circles that I, that I move in and teach in. Um, so, so I think that that would be important for anybody who's listening today who's a caregiver is, is to take some time to, uh, in, in caring for ourselves and in building resilience, reflection is very important. And being able to sort of extract ourselves from the busy, busy, busy lives and, and to be able to reflect on what brought us to this place um, and in your case, uh, I hope that you're blessed with lots of good memories of the experience, but also um, a, a memory of the struggles as well, because that mm-hmm. obviously is yes. such an important part of your story. Yes. As, I it, think is, as it is for family caregivers. Yes. You know, it's so interesting to think about communicating about the struggle, because 
I've had conversations with other small business owners in this space, and I've asked them to share about the struggle that they've had in staying in business, girded the conversation. And I think it does not do anyone who's considering joining our space a service by skirting the issue that it is a struggle. And it's important for people to understand that it takes hard work and commitment in order to stay in the game. And if you enter the game with rose-colored glasses, you're not going to stay. And I think what happens then is the rumor circles that it's too hard to stay in a business that serves family caregivers. People enter the space. They enter with all these high hopes and big promises. And then, poof, they disappear. It does not do the space from the perspective of others, other businesses and, uh, and the family caregivers, good to do that. It's important to talk about the struggle and it's important to talk about how we can get support during the struggle. If we want to really help family caregivers, if that's truly our mission, we have to stay committed regardless of the struggle and put in place supports and, like working yeah. another job, staying connected to others who understand so that you can move through the struggle. And for most of us that are in this space, we've been family caregivers, and we know that yeah. family caregiving itself is a struggle. And I don't want to get overly philosophical today because that's not my area of expertise, but the, the fact of the matter is that if we look back on our lives, the places that we had the most significant uh, personal growth, and from a business perspective, I'd say you know professional and career growth, are those areas where you had the biggest challenges and you manage to, to overcome that. Uh, I think that that also fits with family caregiving is, you know, for my family and I, some of the, the more difficult times that we dealt with and made our way through provided us with a, a, a deeper sense of meaning and appreciation for what we were doing. So I think, you know, your work in this area and, uh, you know, having, having had two lean years, uh, really enriches the story. So, you know, I'm glad that, that I'm able to be with you on your anniversary. What a gift. So as we think about less is more, which is our topic today, there's so many different ways that we can go. And I, I think about what's different today than what our life was 22 years ago. And what's different today is social media. This opportunity to communicate all the time on several different platforms to a wider audience. And I think we move into com com communication overload. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And in a yeah. In a caregiving experience, I, I, I think this, the struggle can be how much do I communicate and who do I communicate with? If you communicate right. too much, then people scatter. If you don't communicate enough, then people don't understand. So how do we find that, that right balance of what and when to communicate if we think about it in terms of social media? Wow. This really resonates with me uh, because uh, we, we actually are in the process of trying to bring together two organizations um, and, and have two boards of directors who have been having conversations for almost a year about what it would be like if we brought the two together under the one umbrella. And, and I, over my many, many years of, of doing work in nonprofits, um, I know I've said it a thousand times if I said it once, and that is from Aristotle, nature abhors a vacuum. 
So we certainly have to be communicating. And if, and if we don't communicate, then people are going to fill in the gaps with other things. So you're absolutely right. We've got to communicate. Um, on the other hand, one of the challenges that I deal with even at age 61, as I, as I reflect, uh, is, is that I love words. And, and, you know, one of my faults is I can be ver- verbose sometimes. And unless I find a way to really crystallize the things that are important and get to the nitty-gritty, then essentially uh, the things that are important are going to get lost in the message. I use the example two places. Number one, if I'm visiting with a physician related to a home health patient, I know that he's got limited time. So I want to make sure that I am as concise and thorough as possible. The other example is in health policy. When I visit with um, a regulator or visit particularly with an elected official, our challenge is to really get to the most important piece of what we want to accomplish and to get that message across with an elected official within a minute or two because they're thinking about their next visit, you know, whether that next person happens to be somebody that really supports them well when it comes to reelection. I'm sorry, uh, that's my cynical side coming out there. But the point is really crystallizing when we communicate and from that perspective, less is more. We've alluded to talking points during our past shows. And I think it can be helpful to think of sharing our story through talking points. And the talking points differ based on who our audience is. For instance, how much you share on Facebook might be limited. But if you come to a chat on caregiving.com, it's unlimited. We share exactly what's going on, how it feels, what's difficult, what's working. And it's okay to give yourself permission to share based on the audience, knowing that some audiences just aren't going to get it. And as as you see how an audience receives a talking point, for instance, then you have either permission to continue or <laughs> or you know to move on to a different audience. You can see how the message is received. You know what's interesting too is this idea about how many words do we use. In the training program that I have, I really encourage the students to be concise in the questions that they ask and the validations mm-hmm. they offer. So we go through this process. If you use too many words, your message gets lost. People are trying to follow the words, and the words don't necessarily make sense because there's too many of them. The mm-hmm. conciseness of the message matters. So, so this resonates, again, because I'm in the middle of grading about uh, 50 papers, you know, half in a, a, an oriented BSN program and the other half in a, a master's program. And, um, you know, one of the papers that I graded recently, uh, the student had the perception that longer sentences are more scholarly. Um, And once I get past 40 words in a sentence, it becomes really difficult. It's difficult not only from a grammatical perspective to keep it solid, but it's also difficult to process the thoughts because there's so many clauses. So as we talk about less is more, uh, to me, that really resonates today because if if we are using fewer words and really trying again to crystallize the message, to to, to leach out, you know, essentially to be 
thoughtful and intentional, but to pull out the most important points. So if you're a family caregiver and you're going to a physician and, and you've, you've got things that you want to talk about, we always say make a list because you're not going to remember those things. Mm-hmm. It's just the nature of a doctor's mm-hmm. office. There is this perception that everything needs to move fast. No matter how much we're paying a doctor or how many hours we waited, we're still saying, I don't want to take up too, too much of his time. So essentially, if you've got the list and, and you prioritize what you want to speak about and, and you make sure that, that you've got that as concise as possible, then you can make sure that you're getting the information that you need on that visit. The same thing's true as we uh, teach people about caregiving. Uh, and in my case, uh, you know, hopefully I hadn't caused too much harm to my students over my first two years of teaching. But um, I, I aim very, very uh, hard to try to continue to learn to be more concise in my communication. And I'm trying to think about that today as we're on the program. Uh, how, do, how do I, uh, you know, hit the high points and then toss it back over to you? Yeah, I'm constantly editing myself in my head before I speak. I also think it's important to think about less is more when we're requesting help. If we can be Mm -hmm. very specific about the help that we want, it can help us find it. If we are a little confused about the type of help we want, it's going to be a little confusing in terms of the type of help that we get. Less is more in terms of requesting can be really helpful too. So an expert, I, I just figured out, Denise, I've been doing my own radio program, the family caregiving on Radio Maria for 12 years. And I remember when you said that one of my early guests uh, talked about something they referred to as a reverse gift list. Unless we're making gifts for everybody else and we want to make sure we got everybody covered. Well, they suggested for the family caregiver, they have a journal, a book, a page, poster, board, uh, maybe something on a coffee table or refrigerator, this reverse gift list essentially identifies what it is that you need. And if you're able to communicate that to people just as they walk in and out of the house, or for that matter with social media, if you're able to communicate that in a, in a virtual way, then people who otherwise might not engage you to offer help are able to see what you need. So again, your point related to being concise and clear around what you need uh, seems to fit with that concept of a reverse gift list. And here's the other part about it too. There's also something that's called too less, which means saying, I don't need help. Because <laughs> uh, there is something that you need help with. And it could be that yeah. it is something just for you and not about your carry. Oftentimes when I give workshops, people will say my carry refuses help. Okay, that's awful. And what help do you need? We get so focused on, well, the carry needs to receive help. I have to find help for the carry that we forget, we forget, oh, my gosh, but I need help too. And the help could be a cleaning service twice a year before and after particular events that happen for your family where you're hosting, and it just makes it easier for you to host. It's expanding that idea of what the help is and who the help is for. I'm also wondering about less is more in terms of how we communicate with others in our life who might not be as involved in caregiving as we are. How do we know how much to share? 
For instance, actually, I can personalize this a little bit with my business. I had very, 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 very difficult years around 2013 and 2014. And I do work a lot. And in that particular time frame, I just worked my butt off because I had no money. And I had no money for things like gas. And I had a colleague who invited me to a 4th of July celebration at her home. And I said to myself, you've just got to go. You've got to get a break. You can take the L. You can come up with the the $2.50 it'll cost you to get there. And when I got there, I was not in a good frame of mind. And people were very celebratory and having fun. And so they would do their best to engage me. And I did my best to show up with a smile on my face and think, let's enjoy the break. And when they would ask me questions like, how, you know, where have you been this summer? Well, I had not been anywhere. <laughs> where are you going on vacation this summer? I was not going anywhere on vacation. And the questions made it difficult for me because I just felt so disconnected from that particular group of people who had this life that allowed them to travel freely, spend money, and enjoy life. And ultimately what I did was I did my best and I thought, you know what, I think I just need to go. So I was very polite and friendly and I just said, oh, I've got to go. Thank you so much for having me. And they did invite me back one more year (laughs) and my life hadn't changed much the next year. And then the invitation stopped. And I thought that was a relief for me and a relief for them because I did my best showing up. It's just that I was not in the right place at the right time to be able to connect to people who were in a different place and time. I think that can happen in caregiving too. So how do we, oh my gosh, how do we show up to give ourselves a break during a time that's just a struggle? And then how do we engage in a communication with people who are not engaged in a struggle? That's a big one. That's a big question. Uh, Denise, I hope it's okay to say here on the podcast that I love you. Um, You know, you're, willingness to share the your willingness to share these vulnerabilities are just such an extraordinary gift to those who are family caregivers out there listening and to those who are doing programs or they're doing other things around family caregiving because they're experiencing some of these same things and and you in your your willingness and passion to try to do the right thing for people are willing to be vulnerable and, and, and share some of your, your weaker moments. And that's, you know, such an important gift that you bring to the work that you do. Thank you. Back to your question. Oh, you're welcome. Um, yeah, back to your question. I think that, um, that, that when it comes to our sharing what we do, um, it's a real balancing act. I think that we want people to know what is involved in family caregiving. And, and on the other hand, we don't want to, um, we don't want to embrace or adopt a victim mentality uh, mm, because that, yes. because yeah that that sort of thing just eats away at us. But the other thing that it does is it it makes it difficult for people to embrace us. Um, there, there's a need for us to balance sharing the information. Maybe you do that with um, you know having again something on the refrigerator with with a calendar of sorts or, or, or a daily timeline of when things happen as the family caregiver uh, so that people can see it without you sharing it. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you find a way to each share it in some virtual may, way, maybe, maybe through some social media outlet. You know, you ask other people, you know, share your, share your day. You know, what happens during your day? 
and, and if we do that in, in a way that other people are doing the same thing, then it's not complaining. It's, it's, it's not our um, whining or mourning that, that we just don't have the life everybody else has. It's something that we're doing in a way that supports us all. So, but I agree 100% with you that uh, in, in, in that theme of less is more, we've got to find a way to communicate what we're doing, the time and energy that it takes, and essentially to do that in a way that, that, that not, is, is not related to woe is me, but to do it in a way that celebrates, wow, look at the things that we take on, look at the things that we accomplish, uh, look at how much it means to that person who's the caree. Um, and, and look at how much it means mm-hmm. to others that are involved. Sure, there are going to be times mm-hmm. when we've got to have heart-to-heart conversations and talk about some of the challenges and difficulties and what we do to address those. Um, but again, I, I really like that you're recognizing, um, and the rest of us need to recognize that we need to honor the challenge and the time and the energy uh, that we put in. You know what I also think? Sometimes when the struggle is significant, less in terms of socialization is more. And what I probably should have done when I think back on that was just give myself permission to know this is not the right time for me to socialize. And that I would have been better just staying home and taking care of myself by giving myself time to rest, to just be okay with my downtime is just being home and resting. I think that would have been helpful to me. I was really in this idea that give yourself a break, get out there, go out there. And it was not good for me. It was not. (laughs) I just didn't feel good when I got home and I didn't feel good. I mean, just talking about it now, I think, gosh, why didn't I just give myself permission to say, it's okay not to go. This is a struggle. You're in a struggle and it's okay to kind of lick your wounds a little bit, nurture yourself, but in a quiet place and in a, a solitude, in solitude. And that was okay. Yeah, it's um, also part of conversation with regards to where we are in life. Um, uh-huh. and, and for most yes. for most of us as, as caregivers, you know, it's not just about um, the fact that we're caregivers, but even though I'm an off-the-charts extrovert, I mean, you know, when I went to your conference, you know, I'm sitting back saying, wow, so many people, so little time. Uh the, the reality is, is that as I get older, um, my my quiet time is much more valuable to me, and it's sort of where I uh, reflect. It's it's where I uh, rejuvenate, recharge my battery. So in your own situation, it's got to be. We've got to be sort of sensitive to what our own needs are, and for family mm-hmm. caregivers, we both know that's not an easy thing because we're always worried about everybody else. Um, on yeah. the other thing, Denise. You, you really have a gift when it comes to um, showing up and being present. And a lot of the success that you've found, um, even though it was slow in coming over 22 years, uh, is based on your ability to build relationships and the people that, that know you, trust you, and have a high degree of confidence in you. So absolutely, I agree that we need to give ourselves permission to take that time away and just to be able to, to rest and, and be kind and gentle and generous with ourselves. Uh, on the other hand, there's sometimes that, you know, the right thing for you is going to be to, to get out and, um, and, and connect. Uh, I, I think that, that our real challenge is being sensitive to, to when's the right time for what for each of us. 
and to give ourselves permission if we do say, well, let's go out. The struggle is real. I'm still going to go out. When the struggle is too much for that particular social event, it's okay to say, thank you so much for having me. I'm going to head home. It was great to connect and see you. Just to give ourselves an ending that might be before the end for everybody else and to be okay with that. And tr- So it's interesting to think about less is more in terms of also the time out. Sometimes for us, less during a social interaction is more. And to be open to that right. possibility for ourselves too. Agree. Well, this was fun, Warren. This was interesting. I love this idea of less is more. And actually, it's it's something that I remind myself of all the time. Less is more, less is more, less is more. And it's good to be reminded of that because it can apply in so many different areas, communication strategies, and social events for us. Warren, so, so for I'll, those I'll like... Suggest- Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just want to suggest a, a you know a future topic for us around less is more, and that is related to uh, the fact that that one of the big issues in healthcare is consumerism. Um, those, yeah. of us, those, do that. those of us those those of us who are using healthcare um, have been guided by a healthcare system that was in the old fee for service model, which essentially meant that the more stuff you did to people, Mm. the more money you made. And today we're moving toward uh, value-based purchasing. So the incentives are better aligned for more conservative care. And to be honest with you, we've been so aggressive in the way that we've provided health care for the last couple of decades that it's had a significant negative impact on people's quality of life and, for that matter, also longevity sometimes. So it'll be a conversation yeah. for another day, but, but we're moving in a direction of less is more when it comes to what we're doing for and with and to folks in healthcare. And I've got that down for our next conversation, which will be August 31st. So typically, Warren and I connect on the last Friday of the month at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And Warren, for those listeners who'd like to connect with you on your radio show, can you remind us again how we can find your show and when we can listen to it. Um, the show is called Family Caregiving, very, very complimentary to you, Denise, uh, but also it's on RadioMaria.us. Uh, Radio Maria is an international station, and here in the United States, it's heard on about a dozen different stations and uh, reaches into some metropolitan areas, uh, Houston. Chicago, New York, Boston, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Miami. And I was told recently that on a good day, maybe as many as 30,000 listeners. So family caregiving on radiomaria.us. And there are archives of past programs there for those that are interested. Okay, Warren, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Denise. Bye-bye, all. And thanks to everybody for listening. So hope that you found today's show helpful and be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we really do truly love to know. Thanks everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.